The world around us is changing faster than ever before. before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome, Welcome. to Data Welcome. Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be, bold, be brave, be and be brave. fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Data Gurus. This is Seema Vasa, your host. And then today I'm joined by Venkat Venkat Ramani, who is the CEO and co-founder of Rockset. Welcome. Thanks for hosting me, Seema. Thank you. I'm glad you reached out. You have such an interesting company. But before we dive into that, I want to just talk a little bit about your background and how you got to this point. Yeah. Prior to founding Rockset, I was managing online data infrastructure at this company called Facebook. It, it is a, I don't it used know to if anybody's website. heard of them. <laughs> yeah. It used to be a website and they had to build a mobile app and all of that. You know, So I was there from 2007 until 2015. You know, was just very, very lucky to work with some really, really amazing people on, on a lot of hard, you know, problems and learned a lot. And so I was responsible for online data infrastructure. So this is the set of uh, my team was responsible for building and scaling and maintaining, you know, the set of services on top of which Facebook's online, you know, all Facebook user facing products were built. And this was the canonical data store for all of Facebook. Got it. And just give us a sense of when you started, how many monthly active users did Facebook have? And then when you left, it's massive, the yeah. amount of monthly active user growth. Absolutely. Yeah. So almost every, so many aspects of that scaled by either two or three orders of magnitude. So when I started in 2007, Facebook had about 30, 40 million monthly actives. When I left in 2015, you know, uh, second half of 2015, you know, Facebook had about a billion and a half users, but it's actually, you know, the user growth was actually the most predictable part of that entire journey. Yeah. As part of the online data infrastructure, the thing that were, that I'm even more proud of are all the product launches that happened, the transition from web to mobile that happened and every, you know, before and after the like button, the load and the demand on the online data infrastructure is completely different. Right. And so we had to constantly innovate and constantly try to push the envelope. And so even though the user base, you know, 30 to a million and a half is about a 50x scaling, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the, you know, but actually the online data infrastructure, I did the math by, you know, when I was leaving, it actually grew 1000 times. Wow. So from when we started to when I left, the number of machines, the number of requests that were being served, the scale of Facebook's online data infrastructure was actually a thousand times larger. Yeah. When I left these systems, these online, you know, data infrastructure systems were serving collectively 5 billion requests a second. You know, now it has gotten even larger than that, but right. that's the scale at which, you know, we had to we had to take it in in those years that I was there. Quite amazing. And actually you were also part of the journey of when Facebook had news delivered like it was just refreshed a one time a day to then making yes. it real time. Yeah, I tell the story to people and most people won't believe me, which is the first original news feed that Facebook, when Facebook launched in, I think it was 2006 and it was still the same way. It was working the same way when I was, when I joined the company in 2007, or maybe news feed was early 2007, but in, around the time frame, the first version of news feed was actually a batch based system. Yep. 
it was like, you know, we would crawl in some way, ETL, all activities happening in everybody's account and build everybody's newsfeed once a day. Right. And even by the time I was there, it was not really scaling because there was so much activity and so much more growth. You know, it would take more than 24 hours for these jobs to run. That's amazing. Was, if I tell people that, oh, yeah, you log in every day, have a, you know, make a fresh cup of coffee and check your newsfeed like uh, reading a newspaper, and then you can come back next day for more news on your... No one, everybody would laugh at me saying like, hey, that is just, what are you talking about? You know, if it doesn't, you know, if something happens in my network and I don't know about it, you know, immediately there is like almost like something is wrong. You know, Facebook is broken. And it's so surprising when I tell them only since 2008, Facebook Newsfeed has been working that way. For listeners, I just want to make sure we make the distinction between batch processing, which you refer to here, to ultimately real-time processing, just kind of educational, if you could yeah, just get those two. Absolutely. So if you really think about, you know, the advent of big data and all, you know, enterprises really leveraging data and to make better decisions, it's almost, you know, almost always for strategic decision-making, right? So all these data warehouses and data lakes that are built for batch analytics are all built to, you know, accumulate massive, large volumes of data. And an analyst comes up, tries to, you know, generate a particular report because an exec is trying to like make an, you know, as a team, they're trying to make a very important strategic decision. And so, you know, it's not that different than, you know, playing Monday morning quarterback, right? Okay, I'm going to watch the tapes of the game. I want to understand what worked, what didn't work, so that the next game, which is the next quarter or the next year, we plan that better. Now, that is very important. I think that is, you know, it's completely transformed, you know, the business because before that, it was all very intuition-based and experience-based and not really data-driven decisions. And they, it was plagued with a lots of problems, right? Sure. Like, you know, people have biases and, and certain experiences that might be applicable, might not be applicable. So data really kind of changed the game there. But when it comes to real time, you're not you know necessarily asking questions about what happened in my business last quarter. You're not really asking what happened last year. You're really trying to find out what's happening right now. Right. And, you know, it's really a present tense thing, not a past tense thing. You know, it's like really what's happening right now And oftentimes you still want to compare what's happening right now with the past to detect anomalies or, you know, is something interesting happening? Is there something that needs my attention? Doesn't mean historical kind of comparison points are removed from there. But really, I think real-time analytics is about, you know, is my product working as expected? Am I having some kind of a, not necessarily a blackout or an outage, but like maybe a brownout? Yep. Let's say I'm a fintech company or I have my finances and am I, how's my risk? You know, is it varying you know, time to time and like, you know, am I taking, is my company taking more risk than what is healthy for my business? Oh, and I want to monitor uh, monitor that in real time. When customer support, you know, is trying to figure out what's happening with this account right now, not right. what happened, you know, a day ago or a week ago. So there's so many operational analytical use cases where it's really for day-to-day operations, people are starting to use data. Right. So, so strategic decision-making and big data helped you with BI and business intelligence, really, I think this is all about, in my opinion, operational analytics. It's about day-to-day, how do people in the front lines leverage data to make a better, you know, day-to-day, you know, tactical decisions that they have to do to try to like maximize the value that they can uh, add to the business. It's all about operational insights and operational intelligence and and not just traditional kind of report-based BI. That's a distinction between batch versus real-time. 
Yep. No, I think it's important. And I think when you were giving us the Facebook example as well, you went from batch to real time as well in terms of being able to provide that continuous stream of information versus once a day, you know, I'm going to get updated news, essentially. Exactly right. I think that was really the transition that happened, you know, within Facebook. And the most visible one that we often talk about is newsfeed, which went from a batch-based daily refresh to real time, where it's like as soon as it happens and continuously new activities in your feed, you know, in your network is getting, you know, indexed in a backend system. And then, you know, anytime somebody logs in, they can very quickly answer questions like, what's the most interesting things that are happening in my network? And it's individualized, it's personalized. And once you add an ML layer on top of that, you know, the rest is history. That's really what happened with uh, Facebook newsfeed. Now, if you think about it, that is the most visible example that happened. But during my eight years at, at Facebook, we saw that happening across every aspect of Facebook in the back end, you know, from how Facebook used to fight spam because the threat vectors are constantly evolving. Yeah. You can't just, you know, analyze what were the biggest spammy, you know, bad campaigns that happened, you know, last week or last month. And let me make sure that that doesn't happen again. Well, if you don't react in real time, you're basically like always have, behind, yeah. you know, you really are not be able to, you know, can provide a very good, you know, spam free, you know, user experience for your customers. So from an ads you know, ad bids and, you know, anything that goes into ad, uh, you know, all the way from figuring out which ad to show based on live bids that are happening and what, you know, which ads are working well for what segments to all ad analytics on the, on the back end that is also getting, you know, in real time refresh so that advertisers get that data, you know, more in real time. Very cool. So I think it's important, again, the cloud allows accessibility to everybody. It's not that you have to have a certain type of software or a certain type of infrastructure within the organization, but this enables basically every company to be potentially a client. And I think you also made a distinction for me last time when we spoke was that, you know, your orientation is cloud. And that's another critical component in terms of where your origins are, whereas other companies are transitioning and moving towards that. Is that Absolutely. correct? Absolutely. See, software, I think cloud is a, almost like a new, you know, runtime environment where software runs these days. And so there is a, a very big difference between software that was built for the cloud and runs only in the cloud versus right. software that were originally returned to be, in, you know, downloaded and installed on a bunch of machines that you acquire from, you know, whatever hardware providers you have, Dell, HP, what have you, and then running your machines on that, you know, in on-prem data centers, right? And so when you uh, build cloud-only infrastructure, there is a a tremendous amount of, you know, fluidity in the hardware that Mm -hmm. you can take advantage of and completely eliminate all provisioning and operational and administrative overheads that comes in building you know, very modern, efficient, and scalable, you know, data backends. And so, the, you know, if I were to like kind of rephrase it in a different way, you know, if you go and ask 100 people, you know, do you want slow and stale analytics, which is batch analytics or fast and fresh analytics? Yes. You know, 100 out of 100 people will say, give me fast and fresh any day, right? Now, the question then you have to immediately ask is, why hasn't this happened already? Why is real-time analytics still like the holy grail that everybody's moving to as opposed to everybody's taking for granted? Like everybody takes real-time newsfeed on Facebook for granted. Right. You can build a social network and compete if you don't have a real-time newsfeed. And so so why the, has that not happened for business analytics and operational analytics, right? So really there are two big barriers to that. One okay. is, I would say, a cost barrier. And the other one is a complexity barrier. 
right? Yeah. And our hypothesis is that both of that comes from pre-cloud software and download install on-prem software. And so cloud really allows us to build massively scalable and really, really efficient, you know, real-time databases, real-time platforms. And, and it's so easy to scale it up and down based on what your demand is, your demand workloads is. are, right. without having to over-provision, without breaking the bank, and, and can okay. be very, very efficient, very, very scalable. And cloud actually allows us to give you that kind of, you know, compute storage separation and compute compute separation that will allow you, you know, to both shatter the cost barriers and the complexity barriers that traditionally come with uh, on-prem based real-time solutions. Okay. So we are cloud only. We are, we're not, you know, there's no download, there's no install. You, you create an account with Rockset, point us at wherever your data sources are. And, you know, you, they, you know, Rockset automatically transform them into fast SQL tables. And so if you know SQL, you already know how to use Rockset. I love this notion of operational intelligence or analytics versus business intelligence. Definitely clear. You can clarify exactly what the differences are in your own mind. But I'm curious, you've been working with some very major companies. Did they already identify the pain point that they needed this? Or did you know how much is you pushing and saying, look at what you can do versus people saying, I need to do this? Help me. So yeah, very good question. So I think, you know, we are this whole transition from batch to real time started way before we even started the company, right? right? I think, you know, the mainstream adoption of technologies like Apache Kafka and Confluent doing really well. It's a great example of when that really happened. It even happened about like, I would say, you know, five to 10 years even before a real-time analytics database where had a need. And so businesses have now been for almost like, you know, a decade acquiring lots of crucial business data in real time. Yes. So I'll give you an example. You know, Klarna is a very, very big uh, buy and pay later company and they're a customer. And so their entire, all payments that are going through their platform are already acquired, are being acquired and processed in real time for various purposes. And the classic use is just to go drain it into, you know, yet another data lake or data warehouse, and then do, again, keep the data around for strategic decision-making. But now that you have acquired this data in real time, then they start thinking about, well, can we, you know, build better observability for our products, you know, and what I mean by that is Klarna, you know, has so many customers, they have hundred million plus customers, they have 500,000 merchants, they work in so many different geographical areas with different payment methods. So if any part of Klarna is down, they want to know immediately, right? right? If like, it could be Apple Pay is down for this one top, you know, retail customer just in Northern Switzerland, Sure. And they immediately want to know that that happened, not, you know, a minute later, a second later, not like six hours later. And so what they had was they were acquiring all of this data in payment data in real time, but they could not, act, you know, get the operational insights on that, that something actually is, you know, bad is happening and they need to go look at that. And so, you know, before they came to us, they actually were collecting all this data in real time and draining that into in a cloud data warehouse. Okay. And then okay. they would, every six hours, they would run a batch report to find out, hey, is everything okay? Or do I need to go and like investigate certain potential things that seems problematic? And then, you know, it, they had like a six hour blind spot. And as they were scaling, as they were adding more merchants and doing more processing, more payments, that blind spot was only getting larger and not yeah. smaller. Right. And so then they came to us using SQL. They were able to kind of build all the metrics and aggregations and everything that they want to do in Rockset. 
because Rockset is full-featured SQL built for that, yep. you know, and it has a simplicity of the cloud. So it, it immediately works with all the real-time data stream systems that they were using to acquire all this data in real time. And so in no time, they were able to, you know, turn all of these raw streams into higher level business metrics that they want to monitor. Yep. And now they were able to cut their six hour blind spot to one minute. That's amazing. And within, yeah. And within two months of rolling out, you know, they are now able to spot potential outages happening or brownouts happening within their platform within minutes of that happening, as opposed to hours and, you know, saving, you know, so much of potential, you know, lost revenue, eliminating so much risk from their business and operations, and also actually building a better product for their customers sure. because, you know, the customers, you know, even when Klarna is down, their customers are also potentially having revenue loss and have much more dire downstream effects. And so they're able to build a better product and also, you know, secure their business better with the real-time solutions. This is a classic example where yeah. uh, traditional batch-based approaches just don't cut it anymore. And you have to do it very, very efficiently at massive scale. And you, it also has to be very, very simple. And so the combination of being completely built for the cloud with massive scalability, while also giving full-featured SQL, is like the powerful combination that Rockset offers that makes it extremely simple for people to get started and scale and build these kinds of solutions. Very interesting. I love that example too. You bring it to light when you talk about a specific client case. So I appreciate that. Let's talk a little bit about who within the organization typically is championing real-time analytics. Very good question. I think it really depends on the type of business. I think, you know, typically it is very common for us to be bought by like, you know, some part of the CTO's office. If it's a, a very technology heavy company, you know, or maybe VP of engineering, you know, is building products that are software products. Mm -hmm. And there are certain very key aspects of that product that needs to happen in real time and be interactive. You know, that I think is a very, very common thing. And then on the other side, you know, COOs, as much as CIOs, you know, who are on the, you know, leading innovation are really trying to figure out how do I operationalize you know, the data better, how do I make my business operations happening more in real time? Yep. And, you know, JetBlue is a customer. And I would say that was actually coming from the COO's office where they want to operationalize, you know, from, you know, passenger management to crew management to every aspect of their operations to go happen more and more in real time. And, you know, because there's so many dynamic things that happen, you know, some weather patterns happen, certain flights get delayed. And there's a lot of downstream effects that needs to get modeled and new scenarios have to be, you know, in real time, you know, managed. And that's a great example of a category of applications that were traditionally done in batch mode. Mm. And, you know, there are other alliances, you know, th that shall not be named that had like very, very bad, uh, you know, around the holidays had like very bad, I would say, customer experience and, and a lot of people were affected by it. I think you can kind of see the problem if you really go to the bottom of it. Can you know you can see that all this planning is done in batch mode, and their systems aren't able to react to real-time events that are happening. It could be a delay, it could be a weather pattern, it could be some issue with the airport security, and a lot of people are delayed or what have you. And that is really another you know a whole. That's a great yeah. contrast in terms yeah. of the airline not to be named and JetBlue in terms of real-time and batch processing as it relates. Exactly. To their exactly. I think it's just a matter of time. You know, this is a one-way street. I think once you, like, just like Facebook newsfeed went from batch to real time, it is never going back to batch. You know, sure. this is a one-way street. 
I think the reason why this has not gone mainstream is because the barrier to entry was too high. Right. Right. You know, if it is on-prem software, you have to download, install, manage, configure. Well, you have to first hire a technical team, do a lot of data ops. Okay, now how do I hire the team and how do I, you know, it just becomes a very, the lift is too high and the upkeep is too expensive. And and then you people start wondering, oh, maybe batch is good enough. Right. right? And, uh, you know, when do you ever settle for something that is just good enough, good right? Enough. You, no one ever wants just good enough. They want the best. You only say something is good enough if the alternatives are too expensive or too clumsy. Very you know? true. Oh, then this other thing is good enough. I know it's not the best, but uh, we're, you know, we're, good we're enough, okay right? with it. Right. Yeah. And so that I think is what ends up happening in a lot of organizations. But then, you know, we're completely shattering both of those barriers that people often have. And so our, you know, the future that we dream is where real time becomes the default. Right. And then you start saying, hearing the words that, oh, for that, you know, Maybe for that, you know, one particular case, I might go with batch and that becomes the exception. And in real time, analytics is kind of like how every decision within an enterprise is made. Very interesting. And do you think that we'll move from real time to predictive over time? Absolutely. I think, oh, 100%. So I think they are actually continuum of the same spectrum. Yeah. So again, I'll, I'll use the same example that we've been using through this interview, which is Facebook newsfeed. Facebook mm-hmm. newsfeed is actually a predictive system. It's not just real-time indexing. It's trying to predict the 50 stories that you're going to like the most. Uh, that's right. And okay. it is, you know, because, you know, let's say you have, you know, 500 connections in your network and each connection, let's say, took maybe two actions. Right. You already have a thousand possible stories that you might want to look at. And it's not just a chronological. It's trying to predict out of the thousand things that happen in your network, here are the 50 we think are probably like the most. Well, yeah, you know, most relevant for you. And there is a lot of ML that goes behind it. And there's a lot of personalization going behind it. And so, you know, if you are into uh, e-commerce and there is a very big company called Whatnot, which is Twitch meets e-commerce. Yes. And so, you know, this is like live stream e-commerce. They are, you know, an amazing company uh, doing fantastic work, uh, great people. And so if you log into whatnot.com, and you get a personalized feed for all of all the the live auctions that are happening at the moment oh. when you log in. Yeah. And that and one hundred percent of that is powered by Rockset. They've Got already it. blogged about it, so you can look at how they solve the problem and and what uh, you know how Rockset fits into their backend architecture. And so that's another example of an, you know predictive. You know, it's basically they're trying to predict of all the you know auctions that are going on, which are the ones that are going to be most relevant for you based on your demographic, based on what other past purchases you've done and so on and so forth. And so again, predictive analytics is a very natural continuation and we already have, you know, a pretty good support for building those kinds of systems and that is only getting better. Yep. And we have to talk about this topic of data quality. Everybody's always concerned. Well, how do I know that this data is representative? It's quote unquote clean. It ties out all those words that people use that I use too. How does real-time intelligence or analytics, what are the challenges as it relates to data cleansing or, or data quality? Really, really good question. Yes, I think there is two kinds of, you know, two buckets of kind of like data transformations that you might yeah. want to do when it comes to real-time. The first category is just simply going from uncooked raw data to higher-order metrics that you really want 
to derive insights out of, right? So there could be lots of different dimensions where you might want to do it, but in real time, you may be getting terabytes of data every second, every minute, but you really want, you know, you don't really care to track all the individual events happening at that granularity and how simply and how efficiently can you aggregate that data in real time as and when these events are coming into your system so that, you know, you are very efficiently in real time monitoring what's happening in your business as opposed to just tracking all the little events that are happening in your business. So that real time kind of, I would call it aggregations or or real time kind of transformations are very important. And the second category is enrichment. Sometimes, you know, as the data comes in, you also want to enrich that with other dimension tables that you have, you know, that you might want to join across and do your processing across Uh where your real-time stream is talking about product IDs and user IDs, but you want to do some demographic analysis, which involves joining with a product table, which is a dimension table or a user table, right? So in both sides, if you really think about one of the most essential thing that a modern, you know, real-time analytic solution needs to give you is full-feature SQL. Okay. And so Rockset is, you know, gives you full-feature SQL both to do enrichment and turning raw data streams into metrics and higher order metrics across any number of dimensions, simply using a SQL query. So let's say you have a a Kafka topic or a Kinesis stream and lots and lots of data is coming through that. You can simply use a SQL query on, you know, you can just connect Rockset to that, you know, Kafka topic and say, tail all the data as new data arrives in this Kafka stream, keep ingesting it. And here is a SQL query that I want you to run. And it can have a group by class. It can have any kind of a select class with very, very advanced SQL, you know, all metrics and, full feature SQL that, that are supported there in the select clause or the group by clause. And you can say, I want to aggregate all of this data across these dimensions. And here is all the metrics I want to maintain okay. and go. And so Rockset, as new data arrives in the stream, Rockset will automatically transform that, you know, as though the SQL query was already executed oh, on that re- on, on the raw stream and will only maintain in real time within one to two seconds of a data lag, all the metrics that you care about across all the dimensions and it'll keep it up to date in a very easy to query SQL table for you automatically. And so full feature SQL really helps you, you know, kind of like solve the first category of problems we talked about. And the second category of problems is that, you know, I have other dimension tables and I want to be able to join and do analytics on this. Rockset also has a full feature SQL uh, with joins and window functions and aggregations and order buys and what have you. Venkat, I have to ask a very simple question. Somebody says they want to do this, use Rockset in the company. What's the timeline for them to be up and running? Really depends on their scale and, you know, really depends on so many other things. But honestly, you know, it's a self-service trial. Like, you know, you could go right now to rockset.com, start a $300 free credits will be automatically loaded to your system when you sign up for a new account. Okay. And you have two weeks to evaluate. For most customers, it's plug and play. So if you already have data in anywhere in AWS or you use any of the standard Azure or GCS you know, data products, odds are we already have a built-in connector with them. Okay. And so it, you know, building a, your first MVP solution on top of Rockset you know, can happen as quickly as you know, within an hour or maybe half a day. Or, and you can try to take something in production in your first day or first week. At massive scale, when you're talking about hundreds of terabytes of data to petabytes of data, you you know I strongly encourage you. Then there is a some level of architecture and design work right. that I think needs to be done so that you know the the right arrows and the right boxes are connected to the in the right places. 
So we have an amazing solutions architecture team that you know is here to help our customers with that. And so you know a lot of our customers start with a hey, I want to just request a demo. Right. I want to yeah. see what you can do, and then they go through that. And often our you know these kinds of evaluations take anywhere from like two to three weeks if it is like a massive scale you know evaluation. But a lot of self-service customers you know come in start a trial and before the you know end of the trial they swipe their credit card and off they go wow. and it's like Great. completely self service yeah thank you so much for joining me today it was absolute pleasure uh, meeting you and learning so much new information about real time analytics thanks ima thanks for hosting me thank you teams are in flux but you still have to get your research in field partnership with paradigm sample means you get our expert focus on every detail of your project. We have access to over 1 million consumers and many business professionals who are eager to voice their opinions and participate in traditional and non-traditional online studies whether it comes to sampling, programming and hosting services or consultation. We are agile and quick to meet your needs. Visit paradigmsample.com today. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.dataguruspodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. exclusively. That's www.dataguruspodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.